Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm ready to jump into the message today, but I want to start in a little different direction. Are y'all good with that? I'm driving, so y'all are just along for the ride. Um, don't, don't worry about that. I, there, I was thinking this week about some things that took a long time to build. And I don't know if you've had the opportunity or the privilege to build anything, um, but I have. And we've even been a part of several things uh, in our lives along the way. When Kayla and I first got married, there was a home builder in the church that really honestly blessed us, blew our socks off, just amazed us at how generous he was. And our first home, we actually got to build, right? He built us a home for our very, very, very first home. I thought that was the longest process in the world. And I look back on it, it only took like six months. It only took six months. I mean, you know, that's a long time when you're waiting for your first house to come and be built. You may not realize this, but this building that you're in took about a year, year and a half to build. You think, well, that's not too long, I guess. Uh, I've got some other buildings that you may not know how long they took to build. Here's one, the Colosseum in Rome. Any idea how long it took the Colosseum in Rome to be built? 10 years. 10 years to build the Colosseum in Rome. Rome. Many of you have seen the Great Pyramid in Giza, right? Any ideas how long it took the Great Pyramid to be built? 20 years. 20 years to build the Great Pyramid in Giza. I'm sure you've seen this on postcards, the Taj Mahal. Yeah, Taj Mahal, 21 years to build the Taj Mahal. Six months, my first home, 21 years Taj Mahal. How many of you know I wouldn't, I wouldn't live in like that at, at all? How about this one? Thinking of, of things and, 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 and lavish. Buckingham Palace. Queen of England. The king of England now lives there, right? 23 years. 23 years. Many of you are familiar with St. Basil's Cathedral in Moscow. 123 years to build this cathedral. Pretty crazy, huh? Six months, 123 years. St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City, 144 years to build. I think we've got a picture of it up on the screen. 144 years. York Minster Cathedral in York, England. Look at this. 252 years to build this cathedral. Pretty crazy, huh? 252 years. And then in Cambodia, Angkor Wat. Angkor Wat. It's called the City of Temples. Over 300,000 laborers, 6,000 elephants were used to construct this. Took 400 years to build this city of temples. And I don't know if you think the way I think, but this is the way my brain works. Why did it take so long? Like, why did it take so long to build something? I get it. It's not like my starter home, 
four to six months, but 400 years, really, that's a long time. That's a long time. There are some factors that go into the length of construction, just in case you're wondering. Let me help you out just a little bit. Factors that go into the length of construction. Here's the first one, the availability of the materials. Anybody try to order doors and windows as of late? You're going to be waiting a long time. We don't have that. The availability of materials. Here's another thing. The skill of the builder. The skill of the builder will determine how long it takes for something to be built. And here's another one. The construction methods that are used. The availability of the materials, the skill of the builder, the construction methods that are used. And I thought about how long it takes to build things this week when I was reading and studying our next passage in 1 Peter. And here's the premise of the series. We've been walking line by line through 1 Peter. This is Peter's letter to the church. It's the same Peter we read about in the Gospels, but I mean, you know, it's a different Peter. His, his life is different. He is, he's been walking with Jesus and it's changed him. He's been walking in community with other believers and, and that has changed him. He's, he's, he's grown, he's matured, and now he's sharing with us how we are to live our lives as maturing, I-N-G, maturing Christians who keep taking next steps. How many of you know somebody in this room that's not the same person they were when they first started coming? Anybody? Yeah, what was it? They're walking with Jesus now. More importantly, they're not just walking with Jesus, they're walking in community with other people. And there's something about walking with Jesus and walking in community that changes people. And we get to look at this letter. Peter's trying to help us see what it looks like as Christians to continue to walk and take next steps. The last few weeks, his focus went to marriages. We've talked a lot about relationships. We've talked about wives. We've talked about husbands. In reading and praying over this next section, there's a group of verses that make up the conclusion of chapter three, and it really got me thinking. And just as Jesus uses the example, Jesus is the example, and he goes, likewise wives and likewise husbands, he begins this next section with this very unique word. It says, finally. Finally, as if something's been waiting a long, long time. Look at it, I'm gonna read it with you. First Peter chapter three, verse eight through nine. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. And when you read something like that and you see this word finally, you think, okay, he's coming to the end. Here's the problem. There's five chapters in 1 Peter. This is just the end of chapter three. Either he's starting one of the longest conclusions in the history of Bible verses or he's saying that there's something more to this finally. The New American Standard Translation says it at the very end, that you might inherit a blessing. Inherit a blessing. What comes to mind when you think inheritance? Money? What else comes to mind? What's the number two thing most often inherited by people? Land and a home, a building. It's very common for children to inherit homes, something of value that's very expensive but can last a very long time if you take care of it. And I know you're saying, Pastor Don, where in the world are you going? 
talking about your starter home, Buckingham Palace, finally an inheritance and homes. Here's where I'm headed. This is our thought for for this section of 1 Peter today. Is it possible that God could be building something in your life? Is it possible? Something that costs a lot, takes a lot of skill to build, and if he was, what sort of supplies or what sort of ingredients, what sort of building materials would he need in order to build something in your life? That's what we're going to look at today when we're looking at 1 Peter. Imagine that we're going to build a cake. And we're setting out, we're going to bake a cake, and we're going to go to the grocery store, and we're pushing our cart down the road, and we say, okay, we're going to get flour. We need flour to build a cake, yes? What else do we need? Eggs. We need eggs to put in the cake. We're walking down, and we're getting flour, and we're eggs, and we're getting sugar, and butter, and salt. What else do we need? Milk. You're right. We need milk. We also need some some baking soda. How much of each of these ingredients do we need in order to make our cake? Well, it depends on the type of cake that we're making. And here's where I'm going with all of this. Peter's list here in verses 8 and verses 9 is like a shopping list of building materials that God's going to use to build something in your life. And it's expensive. It will cost you. But if you take care of it, at last, it will be a blessing to you and to others. Here's what I want you to know. According to Peter, there are some specific ingredients that you're going to need in order for God to build something great in your life. Some specific things that you're going to need. When when, when God called me and he saved me and he, he set me free, he gave me a shopping list of things to start to add to the list of, of my life and things that I needed to add to the cart, things that if I'll add them and if I'll purchase them with obedience and, and help them become the way that I live my life, he's going to build something great. Let's look at these verses. I'll show you what he's talking about. It's as if I'm walking down the aisle of a grocery store and I see this list, walk in unity, Great, check, let me find that. I'm gonna grab walk in unity. I need to have that a part of my life if God's gonna build something in me. You think you need sympathy for others if God's gonna build in your life? Answer? Yeah, so let's grab that. Let's, let's put that in the card as well. God's gonna use that. How about loving strangers like they were brothers? If God's gonna build something in your life, you need to grab that. If, you, if you're walking around saying, I love you, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life, but I can't stand the people around me, something's not gonna get built the way it's supposed to be built. Are you seeing this? He's going through giving us a shopping list of things that we need. We need to be tender in dealing with people. Got it. Let me pull that off the shelf. How about this one? Don't think too much of yourself. Ooh, that one's hard. I had to spend a long time looking for that one. Sometimes I still think I'm looking for that. Where where on the shelf is, okay, here it is. Let me grab it. Let me put it a part of my life. Walking with unity, sympathy for others, loving strangers like brothers, being tender in dealing with people and not thinking too much of myself. And just like eggs and butter and flour, it doesn't look like those things are much in and of themselves. But when you mix them together, in the life that God is building for you, what they build is phenomenal. Y'all with me so far? That's where we're headed. That's what he's talking about. Look at the next verses. This is a quote from Psalm 34, Peter's 
quoting Psalms 34 when he reads this, and it's just another list. There are more ingredients that's going into this thing that God is building in our lives. Verse 10, for whoever desires to love life and see good days. Anybody here, you desire to love life and see good days? The rest of you that don't raise your hand, you're not getting it. You missed your opportunity. You had one moment to interact with us, and you decided to keep your hands down. The rest of us are going to enjoy life and see good days. No, listen, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's just a list. It's a shopping list. Things, if you want God to build in your life, you got to keep adding them. You got to keep bringing them in. If this is the kind of life that you want, this is what you're going to need to add. And look how the verses change on us. Verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? What in the world? How... I struggled when I read this because I'm like, Peter, you're telling me all these great things that I need to add into my life. And then as if you're talking about something completely different, you're saying, now who's there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? And I started thinking, man, I get it. I get born again. I'm, I'm rescued. I'm redeemed. I'm set free. I've been given these marching orders. I've, I've been trying to go to freedom. I've been going to the classes. I've been doing all of these things that are being added to my life. It's a, it's a shopping list of, of building supplies. Why are people trying to harm me? Have you ever felt that way? Oh, yeah, my life was great till I became a Christian. And then now all of a sudden, I got people coming after me. Right? And I think that's what Peter's trying to show us here. He's saying, listen, as you start building these things, as you start adding these things to your life, it's going to get difficult. It's going to get hard. Ever since I became a Christian, it's gotten harder. And here's, here's the problem with Christianity, and I think this is what Peter would tell us. According to Peter, this world is hostile to those who are building with God in this way. Has anyone ever given you a hard time for trying to live your life in a godly way? Ten of you? Yeah, show me. Let me see. There you go. Be honest. Shame the devil. Yeah, it's gotten hard, right? Maybe harassed you for something you you did or that you didn't do. Man, what do you mean you don't watch those movies anymore? Man, come on. Listen, she don't have to know just this one time. Right? Right? You're over here struggling, trying to live your life. God has given you a picture of what freedom would look like. God has given you what he's building inside your life. And you read your Bible and you pray and you come to church and you've got these things that you're trying to work really, really hard on. And as you're building and adding them into your life, into this mixing bowl, trying to make this thing with you, now all of a sudden you're getting harassed and it's hard and it's difficult. And if y'all would just leave me alone, God and I got something planned I'm trying to do in my life. It's hard, isn't it? Let me carry my illustration just a little bit further because I think it'll help make the point. I've never been in the grocery store, at the aisle, at the egg aisle, gone and reached into the cooler, grabbed the eggs and set some in my cart and have somebody walk up to me and say, what are you doing that for? That that don't make it. Why, Why are you buying eggs? I've never had that happen to me. Have you? I've never gone to the grocery aisle, opened the cooler for the milk to grab a gallon of milk and put it in my cart and have somebody say, "Uh uh-uh, don't do that. 
Oh, you think you're better than all of us now because you're drinking whole milk? The rest of us are lactose intolerant. You got over here buying the whole milk. You can easily get 2% and make us feel okay. No, the whole milk, you're putting that in your cart? Nobody does that at the grocery store, do they? Could you imagine getting to the checkout line and you're putting things up that you've been putting and adding to your life, adding to your cart, and that cashier's going, beep. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Oh, Oh, you're you're that kind of Christian. Oh, okay, I see, I see. That's crazy to think about that, wouldn't you? Some of you'd never go grocery shopping again if that happened to you, right? But here's why I don't worry, and let me, let me tell you this. Why don't we worry what people think when we go grocery shopping and put in our carts? You ever thought about that? Why don't we worry about that? Why doesn't it trip us up? Why are we not concerned what other people think? Very simple answer, and it's this. They don't know what you're baking. They don't know what you're baking. They don't know what's going on in your life. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't matter to me what they think about what I'm adding to the ingredients and the building supplies in my life because they don't know what I'm baking. I don't get picked on. I don't get mocked or ridiculed when I go to Lowe's and I push the cart down and I buy lumber, three-inch screws, and some paint. It doesn't bother me. I don't get mocked on because they don't know what I'm building. And I'm wondering what it would look like in life if we went through life the same way. That you're seeing these things that God has for you and you're putting them into your cart and you're adding them to your life and you know God's building something in me and I don't need you to understand why I'm taking that thing and and putting it in my cart. I don't need you to understand why I'm getting along with people who don't look like I look or dress like I dress or vote the way I vote. I just need you to understand God's building something in my life and if I'll let him, if I'll keep adding these things, there will be a day where I look back and think, wow, God, look what you've built in my life. And why is it when people in my life start to judge me and ridicule me and try to talk me out of adding these good things to my life, why do I allow their actions and their words to harm me? Why do I allow them to scare me? Why do I allow them to silence me? I shouldn't because they don't know what I'm building. And I want you to think about this when we're talking about this passage in Peter and all these things he's trying to add to us. There will be people in your life that try to make you feel bad for trying to add some of these things into your life. Put the verse back up there. She's like, which verse? Which verse? Seven. Put seven back, I mean uh, eight back up there. Eight back up there. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Imagine what your life would look like if there was nobody around you trying to make living for for Jesus difficult. Oh, we'd be rolling. We'd be rolling, but we're not. There's some things that God wants to do in our lives. But it takes time, doesn't it? It takes time to build something great. And herein lies the problem. This is is the problem. At the time of this letter, it's been 60 years since Jesus ascended to heaven. And you think Peter's been working on some things during that time? How long did it take Peter to become this kind of Peter when he was that kind of Peter before 
60 years. And the amount of time it takes for God to turn these ingredients into the life he's promised leaves me vulnerable, exposed, open to suffering, and open to others trying to convince me that it's not worth it. Surely there hasn't been anybody in your life to try to convince you that living for Jesus isn't worth it. Man, how quickly suffering and hardship makes us forget. I was better off before Christianity. We start telling ourselves these lies. Or, well, our marriage wasn't perfect, but it was better than this. Or I'm grateful, I really am, but I'm, I'm so lonely, God. I, I, I want to be around my old friends because I want them to come to know Jesus. But every time I am, I feel like they're leading me more than I'm leading them. And here's the challenge with the building process. Is it's one thing to give me a list of ingredients. It's another for me to go to the shelf and try to add them and work on adding them into my life. But you're saying I have to wait in the process? You're saying I have to to struggle? Pastor Don, why is Christianity so hard? Look at me. I don't know. I don't know. But I bet it has something to do with this. I bet it has something to do with God is building something inside of you, something of eternal value, and it takes time. Well, how long is it going to take, Pastor Don? Do you know how long it's going to take? Let me remind you. Here's the factors that go into the length of construction. The availability of materials. Oh, you think... Peace and patience and love is of abundance in our world? No, it's not, is it? The availability of those materials aren't there. Well, what about the skill of the builder? Yes, he's the best, but the construction methods that he's using, he gets to decide, not us. And I want to encourage you today, and I want to strengthen you. God is building something in your life. And every time he gives you a new ingredient and you add it, it's going into the thing that he's building, but it's going to take time. And while it takes time, you're going to be struggling. In these next verses, Peter gives us some insight here in how to live with the hard things, how to live in the hard seasons and the hard people without jeopardizing what he's building in you. Anybody ever thought about, I'll just take you out right now. You're making my life so difficult. I know I'm going to heaven. We'll let God sort you out, but I'm, I'm about to just take this matter into my own hands as well. Look what he says in verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. There's lots here to unpack. Let's dig in. I don't think Peter is telling you to just sit there and suffer when you're going through hard times in life. I don't think he's telling you to just sit there and take it and stuff your emotions or let them build. You know that doesn't go well for you. If if the goal for suffering was just to sit there and take it, one of two things would happen. Either you would sit there and your emotions would boil up and there would be a point where you explode on everybody and nobody wants anything to do with you anymore. Is that building God's kingdom? No. Well, here's the other side of it then. Well, maybe it's just supposed to be this way and I'm supposed to just stuff. 
and I'm supposed to stuff, and I'm supposed to stuff, and I'm supposed to tough, and my life is hard, but this is just the way it is, and blah, blah, blah. And before long, you realize you no longer have any emotions to feel. And if you don't have any emotions to feel, you won't be passionate about your faith, and you'll keep it to yourself, and you'll never share with anyone. So if I can't explode on people, and if I can't stuff, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live my life in this way? Here's what Peter would say. When you suffer, when it's hard, keep your heart set on Jesus, your mind focused on the truth of what he's done for you, and your mouth open with gentleness and respect. Pastor John, what are you talking about? I think we'd agree that the action and behaviors of others should not affect us and should not take us off course. But how many of you know they do? They do. How do I deal with hardship in my life? How do I deal with suffering and the difficult things that are happening? Here's what you do. You keep your heart set on Jesus. Your eyes fixed straight ahead, not on them. Why? He knows what he's building in your life. They don't. They don't know what God's building in your life. You have to keep your mind focused on the truth of what he's already done for you. When was the last time you said, God, if you never do anything else for me, you've done enough? Do you believe that way? Then let God build inside of you. And then finally, use your mouth open with gentleness and respect. People drain our courage. We got to keep our hearts set on Jesus. Verse 17, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. I love the way the CEV version, contemporary English version says, you are better off to obey God and suffer for doing right than to suffer for doing wrong. Think about this for just a second. You do know that being a Christian doesn't mean I never sin. It just means that when I do, I'm not very good at it anymore. I'm not very good at it anymore. How many of you remember life before Jesus? The stuff that you would do and you felt good about it. Well, maybe till the next day when you woke up, right? I used to like those things. I never felt bad for doing those things, but now I'm a Christian. It feels different. When I sin, it, it hurts me, it, it bothers me. It's, there's conviction that's there. The, the, uh, the King David said this in Psalms 32. He's talking about his life and, and when he sinned, he says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. What's he talking about? I think there's a suffering that happens in our lives when we do things that are right because it's against what's happening in this world. Then there are some things that we do and suffering that happens in our life because we've done things that are contrary to God's word and now we're suffering for doing those wrong things. Are you with me? Peter's saying it's better to suffer and go through hardship doing the things that are right than to do the things that are wrong. There's a suffering that can come when you do what is right because this world is sinful. Then there's a suffering that comes when you do what's wrong because your lifestyle is sinful. You with me so far? 
Peter's saying it's better to suffer because this world is sinful than it is to suffer because your lifestyle is sinful. One of them adds to what God is building in your life and the other takes away from it. And Peter ends this chapter, this set of thoughts on suffering and the hardships we face while God is building in our lives. And he ends it in this very, very unique way. And I'm gonna read it, explain it, and then we'll close. 1 Peter 3, 18 says this. Christ suffered and died for sins once and for all, the innocent for the guilty, to bring you near to God by his body, being put to death and being raised to life by the Spirit. What was being built in Christ, the things he suffered, ultimately brought us near to God. And I wonder if he's planning to use the things he's building in your life to bring other people to God as well. Have you ever thought about that? That maybe God might be bringing you to a point that there are other people that are watching? That friend, that neighbor, that family member, that coworker, maybe that's why he's so concerned about your, your purity and your holiness. He's wanting to display what he's building for others to see. Last thought I have for today, what he's building in you will bring others closer to him. What he's building in you will bring others closer to him. Verse 20, I'd never seen this before in the passage till I read it this week. For during the time of Noah, God patiently waited while the ark was being prepared, but only a few were brought safely through the floodwaters, a total of eight souls. You see that? I I would have told you had you asked me that it was Noah who was waiting on God. But that's not what scripture says, does it? Who was waiting on who? God patiently waited. And here I am thinking that I'm the one that's waiting on God. God, how long will this take to build in my life? Why is this so hard? And all along, all of a sudden, God is saying, Don, how long will this take to build in your life? Why is this so hard? Oh, that perspective changes everything, doesn't it? Doesn't it? God, why is this taking so long? Don, why is this taking so long? God, I don't know why this is taking so long. Don, I don't know why this is taking so long. God, I wish this were easier. Don, I wish this were easier. Because I have a plan. And there are some things that I want to add to your life. And if you'll let me, I'll use them. I'll use them to build something. I'll use them to build something that will make so much sense on the other side, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. And I think the big thought I want you to leave today with is this, God is patiently waiting on you. You're not waiting on him. And it may not be Buckingham Palace in 23 years. It may not be a starter home, but God is building in you. And while he's building in you, there are some things that are going to be tough. Let's let those things be tough because we're doing it God's way and God's building in us. Don't let tough things, suffer things come into your life because you're trying to do it your own fleshly way. If you're going to suffer, let's suffer for doing it God's way. Knowing that everything that we're walking through is building something in our lives. Are y'all with me so far? 
Here's how I would summarize it. God is building in you using specific ingredients. It takes time. And this world is hostile to those who are building with God. There's going to be suffering in your life. Make sure you're suffering for the right things. God is going to use what he's building in your life to bring others closer to him. And you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. I don't know why Peter decided to go this little tangent in this passage. It might be because he's encouraging the church to look out and think, man, you think maybe God's doing something in me so he could do something in this church that maybe he's doing something in this church that he wants to do in this community? I think so. I think there are people in your life that are in this room today because of something they saw God was building in your life. 1 Peter 3.21, crazy verse the way it comes out. Here's what he says, the way Peter chose to end this chapter. He's talking about the ark and the story of Noah and the flood. He says, this was a prophetic picture of the immersion that now saves you. Not a bathing of the physical body, but rather the response of a good conscience before God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is now in heaven at the place of supreme authority next to God. Look at this. The very powers of heaven, including every angel and authority, now yield in submission to him. Every authority in heaven and below yields in submission to Jesus. How about you? How about you? Have you surrendered to what God is wanting to build in your life? I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. Because I think in this room, God's building. And he brought you here and he's wanting to add some things to your life and you're trying and you're adding them and it's tough, it's tough, it's hard. And there are relationships in your life that are giving you a hard time because you're living this way. And I wanna encourage you today, those of you that are struggling, trying to do it the right way, God's building in something inside of you. And those people don't know what God's building. Don't let them influence you. Don't let them affect you. Pastor Don, do you mean there's purpose to the things that I've suffered in my life? Yeah, I do. I'm having this ongoing conversation with a man. He loves God, but he's trying to figure this Christianity thing out. And meanwhile, life isn't getting any easier. Work challenges are there and relationship challenges are there and the suffering has him disheartened. And here's where I'm trying to lead him. These same steps that I'm trying to lead you today. Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Don't wait on God. Take a next step toward him. Learn what things are worth suffering for. I'll help you. And I'm telling him, you're gonna be able to withstand the opposition while you wait to see what God is building inside of you. And if you're here today and you're struggling and you're suffering in life, I can't promise you that coming to Jesus will alleviate all the suffering that you face, but I can promise that when you do, any suffering that you face will be part of the ingredients that he's gonna use to build something that will last in your life.
you've got to submit to him. You've got to submit to his leading and to his lordship. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I don't, I don't have that relationship with Jesus. I'm not submitted to his lordship. He's not the Lord of my life, but I'd like him to be. I'd like to make sure that the things that you're doing in my life, God, are for a purpose and on a plan. And I'm ready to give my life to Jesus today. If you're here and you'd like me to pray with you, I want to ask you to do this. I want to ask you to raise your hand. Say, Pastor Don, what does that look like? What does that look like for me to surrender to the Lord? Very simple. It's A, B, C. A is admit. Admit that you're a sinner. That your life has separated you from a righteous and loving God. It's B, believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for you. To live a life that you couldn't live. To pay a debt that you couldn't pay. And C, confess him as Lord and Savior. The very powers of heaven, including every angel and authority, now yield in submission to him. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I want you to lead me. I want to have that relationship with Jesus. I want to know that the tough things that I'm walking through in my life are being mixed together for something that God is building. If you're here in this room and you'd like me to pray with you to be born again, I want to ask you to lift your hand right where you're at. I'm looking around. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Leave them up so I can see. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. I see your hand in the balcony. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Raise your hand, you can place them down. One more time before I pray. Pastor Don, I didn't I didn't raise my hand, but I want to. I want to be included. Right now where you're at, raise your hand and look up at me. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to lead us in, I want to lead you in this prayer. Those of you that raise your hand and especially those that are around you today, say this with me out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God and I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt and you died for me and I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father today Lord Jesus I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart no matter what it costs me and I declare that God is my father Jesus is my Lord and Savior the Holy Spirit is my helper and heaven is now my home in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate with those who were born again today?